Welcome to the Surge Strength Podcast, powered by Ritter Sports Performance. This podcast is dedicated to helping swim coaches and swimmers learn how to properly implement dry land and strength training programs that result in moving better, reducing injuries, and swimming faster. Let's join your host, Chris Ritter. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Surge Strength Podcast. Hope you're doing well. We have a great episode for you today, and if you've missed a few episodes in the last few ones we've put out on the feed there, you'll want to check out gradeyourdryland.com. It's a free new tool that we just launched a few weeks ago. Lots of coaches and swimmers are taking advantage of it. What it is, in just a few minutes, you'll answer some questions about your dryland program, and you'll get a grade for how your dryland program's effectiveness is right now and even better, solutions and resources to improve upon whatever you're doing right now. So don't worry if you're starting from no dryland program or if you've been doing it for years, it's going to give you benefit no matter what and help you find those extra little bits that you can improve on and leverage when it comes to your dryland. And honestly, the only way to know how to get better is to assess your program, to actually go through this process of figuring out, okay, Am I doing this step? Am I doing X? Am I doing Y? And that ultimately leads to a better result. When you don't know where you're starting from, it's really hard to get to your end journey. So whether that's on a big picture level, like evaluating your dryland program and going to a tool like gradeyourdryland.com to check it out. And on the other hand, if you are implementing a program for your swimmers, it's really important that you have assessments, that you know a starting point. So then you can reverse engineer, okay, if my swimmer is here and I want to get them to point X, what is in between? How can I program for that? And sometimes assessments can be confusing. Maybe it's overwhelming how many there are out there. We teach a pretty scaled down version in the Surge Strength Dryland curriculum and in the lesson for the Inside the Surge Strength Academy, which comes directly from the curriculum, for becoming SSDC, we're going to go over the tests that we do to assess a swimmer's core strength. And from that, you can then decide, okay, what level of exercises for core training do I need for my swimmers? If you're programming above your swimmer's ability, they're not going to improve as much. And if you're programming below your swimmer's ability, they're not going to improve at all. They're going to probably get bored. And that's where sometimes the chase for variety and keeping them entertained during the workout is if you're simply not challenging them at the level that they need to be. And also, if you're following us on Instagram, we have a really cool post. I'm not exactly sure when it's going out, so be on the lookout this week. But from the Dryland Talk segment, where we talked to Josh Gregory, a swim coach up in Alaska, On Instagram, we're going to have a a short little clip about how he talks about how he administered this specific assessment with his swimmers and realized how poor their core strength was, even though he's doing abs all the time and trying to work on it. And so sometimes, even if you think you're on the right track, having an assessment where it can be very clear where you stand, where your swimmers stand can be helpful. And sometimes maybe it's a little bit frustrating because you feel like, well, we've been working on this a while, but if you're going in the wrong direction, it doesn't matter how hard you're working to go in that direction. If it's the wrong direction, you got to turn around or adjust. This is where the map and compass comes in of figuring out where are you going on this dryland journey. And assessments are a big part in figuring out that starting point for you. So like I said, the dryland talk, we talk with Josh. It's part one 
of a two-part interview. We'll put out the second part later. But yeah, Josh is a great coach up in Alaska. He's currently enrolled to become Surge Strength Dryland certified, being able to put those initials SSDC behind his name. But we had a great chat about Dryland in particular and how he's already putting to use what he's learning in the curriculum, even though he's not even halfway through yet. So that's really cool that he's able in just the first few days, weeks into the certification to really see the value of it and starting to put it to use with his athletes. But great episode for you today. Let's jump on into it. Inside the Surge Strength Academy. The bridge combo test is what I'm going to be covering in this lesson. So with the bridge combo, they start in that bridge position. And this is why I term a bridge, whereas a plank is more a push-up position. So the bridge position on their forearms, head, shoulder, back, hips, all in alignment. And they're going to start off with just simply holding that bridge position for one minute with good alignment. If they get to one minute and they still have good form, then we're going to go 15 seconds alternating where they lift one foot just a few inches off the ground and just hold that for 15 seconds. They're still in good alignment. Then they drop that foot, lift the other foot for 15 seconds. They're still good. They drop that foot. Now they reach out one arm. So they're on one arm, other arms extended, both feet on the ground for 15 seconds, switch to the other arm. This now brings us to two minutes. If they are still in good alignment, then they're going to reach out with one arm and the opposite foot for 15 seconds, and then one arm opposite foot for the other 15 seconds. If they get all the way to that point, that's two and a half minutes that has completed the test successfully. Remember, correct and good alignment can stop the test at any time. So if you see them really bottoming out their low back hips, just stop the test where that compensation happens. Also, twisting a lot, especially when they get to the arms, that's a no-no as well. So this is an abbreviated version of the test. This athlete isn't going to hold it for the whole time. We can see here, here's the starting position. One minute, good alignment. Then you're going to have them just raise that foot just a little bit. It doesn't need to be very high off the ground at all. Just a few inches. And you let the athlete know, hey, five seconds. Then you're going to switch to the other foot. They hold that for 15. Then an arm for 15. So see, there's a little bit of twist of the hips, but not much. Then the other arm. Then they switch back to the other arm. And then it's the opposite foot. So now you're at the two-minute mark, 2.15 mark. And now two and a half. And that's completed the test. So... They only go as long as they can hold that alignment up until two and a half minutes. So when you're recording it, you just need to know the time and then where, however long they held it, they're going to fall into the different levels. And this is for the brace category. So if they completed two and a half minutes, no problem, good form, level three. If they were more than a minute but less than two and a half, level two. And if they were less than a minute, level one. Remember, even if they get pass the test at two and a half and they're level three, they can still do level one and two exercises in brace. It just allows them to go all the way up to level three. Whereas if they test at level one, holding less than a minute, you're probably going to do just remedial exercises at level one. And there's probably not a need or it's not going to be good for them to do level two exercises until they're able to hold at least greater than a minute on this test. So that does it for the bridge combo test. Dryland Talk. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Can you let our audience know uh, where we're finding you today? Yeah. Um, I live in Fairbanks, Alaska, mm-hmm. and um, we've got uh, 20, 25 teams up here in Alaska all spread out. So um, <laughs> a 
Yeah. That, that's actually more than I would have maybe guessed, Josh. Like I'm actually like surprised that there's that many. <laughs> yeah, there's uh there's a fair number in Anchorage. That's the biggest population area. Yeah. Um there's there's three up here in Fairbanks. Um and then uh, you know, the rest are kind of spread out. Uh it's a big state, so there's a lot of room for teams. And and how many hours of daylight are you guys working with right now? Right now, it's not too bad because we're oh, okay. in the middle of February. So oh, okay, so um, so we've gotten past the the, the dark times. <laughs> yep, yep. Fairbanks is gaining seven minutes a day of daylight, oh, awesome. so it, it's not bad now. Yeah, that's awesome. Many many years ago, um, I came out to Fairbanks actually to work with uh, Scott Lemley there at the university. And I remember him telling me about, you know, that in the dead of winter, when you just barely see the sun come up and then it goes down as, oh, Scott, you're tougher than me. I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> Need yep. some we, uh, we made it past that point, luckily. Yeah. So talk to me about yeah. your experience with swimming in, in terms of when you started or when you got involved in the sport. Yeah, I started swimming um, when I was five okay. and I grew up in Loveland, Colorado. So started swimming then for Loveland Swim Club. And, um, yeah, swam all the way through high school. And then I went, um, I got recruited to swim at Western Illinois university, mm-hmm. um, which just recently, unfortunately yeah. cut the program. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, swam out there. And then, um, I stayed on the last two years after, after my four years of swimming, stayed on as the grad assistant, mm-hmm. um, out there at Western, um, before moving up here and, started coaching stingray swim team up here. As soon as I moved up actually with Scott Limley, when I first moved up, he was, yeah. So very funny. That's very funny. So what did you study in school? Uh, my undergrad was athletic training. Okay. And then got my master's in sport management. Very cool. So it sounds like you were always on that track of, I want to be involved in sports on some level. Was there any question it being anything other than swimming? Um, yeah, actually when I was going through the, the undergrad stuff, um, the plan was to be in the sport medicine field, uh, you know, to be like an athletic trainer, um, for, uh, for whatever sport it may be football, um, baseball, something like that. Um, but, uh, I think that that athletic training field really still benefits me as, as a coach, um, uh, for swimming because, you know, you get the the swimmer that hops out and they say what well, their shoulder hurts. And, right. Um, I have at least some knowledge and whatnot to be able to do some tests on it and, and ask them the right questions and figure out, you know, is it pain or are they just uncomfortable? That mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I say if I had to do it over again, I would actually major in athletic training because I think that's probably more useful for a lot of coaches than a straight exercise science or kinesiology, because like you said, now you are a professional medical provider and you can do those tests and, you know, there's just a few different classes between them, but that's a big difference when you're out in the field, because as I, as I operated always as a personal trainer, not having an athletic training certification or being a PT or Cairo or anything else, I always kind of made sure, you know, I'm, I'm not putting hands on someone trying to manipulate, rub, or even do anything to just make sure liability wise, as I was always clean, but athletic training, you, you have a much broader scope because of the experience and tests you guys were learning. Yeah. I think the degree really helped out, really helps right now for coaching. Um, and Western had a, has a really good program. So I was fortunate to, to be able to go through that. That's awesome. So as you're going through that, getting your education, 
how do you then process looking back on your swimming career and the part dryland played or not played in it? Yeah. Um, up through, up until the, the surge program, um, I was basing all of my, uh, dry land that I'm doing with our kids. Now yeah. I was just basing it off what I did in college. <laughs> like my, my experience, what, what my coaches were having me do. Um, because and and the athletic training background, but that's that's much more sport medicine. Yeah, and yeah, like not you're so fixing the problem after something science. has happened, right? As opposed right. to before it happens. <laughs> yeah, so I was basing it off a lot of what uh, we were doing in the weight room and stuff at in college, yeah. um, which was pretty good. I mean, going through the surge program now, I can see that those uh, the our strength coaches at Western were were doing a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, following pretty much what you talk about. Um, but that was a while ago and things have kind of <laughs> changed and been upgraded and whatnot. Um, so I think one of the biggest things now, uh, after I haven't finished this surge program, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm halfway through or so. And I think the biggest thing that we're missing is the athleticism side. Mm-hmm. So we were, you know, we were focusing on movement and technique, but strength and you know, power and endurance that, you know, the triangle side, yeah. we weren't, we weren't really focusing much on trying to be better athletes. Mm. Um, and I think, I think that's a big thing that we were missing. We're missing that. And then, uh, you know, the core stabilization stuff we were doing, we were doing a lot of abs and <laughs> we were throwing in some back exercises and whatnot, yeah. but, um, you know, we weren't working as much on the actual stabilization, the whole core working together, that kind of thing. Yeah. Talk to me about when, when you're now realizing, wow, we need better athleticism. Did you realize that was the problem prior and just didn't know what to do about it? Or now are you seeing that it is a problem? Um, I definitely saw that we <laughs> could use some athleticism, you know, yeah. when we would get outside, because uh, our pool closes down the whole month of May. And so we only do dry land stuff in oh, May, uh, okay. but it's nice. It's nice out. So we just go outside and, yeah. you know, whatever we're out on the football field doing, uh, dry land stuff. Well, it became very obvious that our athleticism was low. Uh, mm. you know, if we had a game day and we were trying to throw and catch a Frisbee, it was comical. Uh, mm. they just, you know, the, the eye hand coordination work in land on land was just, uh, needed work. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't think that it was that big of a deal. I thought, well, we're in the water. So at right. least they seem, at least they seem coordinated in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, now I know that, uh, you know, the more athleticism we can have on land, the more it's going to translate into the pool. Um, and just not only help them get faster, but help them uh, I guess the proprioception side, you know, where mm-hmm. they actually know what their body's doing and where their arm is at, where their uh, leg is at during the flip turn or whatever, just understanding their body more. Yeah. Cause when you as a coach are trying to give instructions on, Hey, you know, make sure your head's lower when you're breathing or flip turn technique or anything. Well, if they're not athletic, it doesn't matter if you're giving them the best instructions ever, they're not going to be able to do it. Right. Yeah. And there were times where I would get kind of frustrated, like man, either, either they're not listening or I'm not doing a very good job explaining this. And now it kind of makes more sense uh, that it's just a, an athleticism 
issue where they're trying to do it. And hopefully I'm explaining it well enough. They just, their body just doesn't know how to do it. You mm. know? So um, on, on that, Josh, then are you seeing a little bit better response to technical changes or other coaching things that you're asking them to do? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Unfortunately, with COVID, we're not in the weight room like we normally mm. were before this. Um, so our dry land stuff that we're implementing as we're going through this surge program is mainly on deck stuff, mm. um, you know, but we're doing uh, trying to do some more things that incorporate athleticism, some more balance kind of stuff, um, definitely core stabilization stuff. But yeah, hopefully as restrictions keep getting loosened up and we can get back in the weight room, then we can really hit plyometrics and, and, uh, you know, athleticism type of stuff. It sounds too like, uh, even though you're not, you know, SSDC certified yet, that even just whatever part you've worked through the course, learning some ways to help increase athleticism, sounds like you're already putting those to use. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it'll just get, we'll get more knowledge and we'll be able to uh, go further with the athleticism side. But yeah, um, even, even just the beginning phases of the surge program, you know, it it gets you thinking about ideas and um, Oh, that that's a good idea. We should have been doing that. How can we implement that? (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's, it's really exciting. And it, you know how kids need to be motivated. They need something, you know, uh, whether it's in the water or dry land or whatever, mm-hmm. the coach and, and everybody, you got to try to find some way to get them motivated. Well, the coach needs that too, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we're just doing the same thing all the time, not saying that it gets boring, but um, monotonous maybe. And so something new, some fresh idea gets the coach all fired up and uh, you want to give it a try. So um, motivation, I think, is really high for dry land right now. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and even just getting a few new ideas can spark that creativity because I know whether it's, you know, on dryland or even in the water, sometimes you just get in a rut with like the workouts or how you're approaching it. And then you go to a conference or you hear some idea on a podcast or take a course and you're like, oh yeah, there's that. And then that can spin off so many other things. And like you said, if the coach is motivated and excited, that's going to translate to the kids at some level. Yeah, Absolutely. So did the kid, did you notice as a coach, when you started to do some changes with Dryland, that the kids responded a certain way or were they kind of, Hey, th- this is different than what we were doing before. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. They're, uh, I think they're, they notice that it's different. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit about why we're mm. doing it, why we're making some changes. Um, and, and my, main groups that I coach is, uh, the junior and senior. So they're the, like the upper level age group kids and the senior level kids. So I can talk to them about, you know, sports science a little bit and, mm-hmm. and, you know, anatomy and why we're doing this and that. And they, and they they're old enough to kind of understand, you know? Um, so I think they were, well, they are receptive and, uh, appreciative that we're trying something new, right. And something that, they know is coming from this surge program and mm-hmm. it's a, it's a vetted program that they know is going to work. So do you remember what some of those first conversations were like, especially with the older kids? Cause it sounds like you, you have a very much a collaboration where you're telling them what they're doing, why they're doing it. They probably asked some good questions. Do you remember what some of those first conversations were like when you realized, all right, we're, we're changing how we're approaching the dryland program? Yeah. Um, 
some of the conversations revolved around, well, we've been doing mostly stuff on deck, right? Mm. And so it's, uh, we've been doing core stabilization stuff and uh, some balance and some, ra- some range of motion stuff. We need to keep doing more range of motion stuff. But, you know, I would ask questions, uh, you know, and we, and part of the discussion was injury prevention. So we were mm. kind of, kind of looping all that together. And, um, we talked about, uh, all right, if you were to throw a baseball and, but you were doing it wrong, just a little bit wrong, <laughs> how many times would you have to throw that baseball before you started having shoulder problems? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they would ask, they'd, they'd answer and throw out some guesses. And, uh, so then we did the same question with swimming. You know, <laughs> if you're swimming X amount of strokes, but doing it wrong, just a little bit, yeah. how long before you have an injury? And, uh, we had done the math where, you know, we averaged it out. Okay. Let's say we're doing 6,000 yards of practice. We're doing five practices a week. And we did, did the math. Here's the number of strokes you would take in a year. Right. And it was something outrageous, like close to a million strokes. Um, and so then we said, okay, so dry land is going to help you be more resilient. It's going to help your shoulders be able Mm. to withstand that kind of, um, demand on the shoulders and the back and the knees and, you know, all your joints, that kind of stuff. Um, so that's probably when we first started dry land, which wasn't, I wasn't going through this program yet. We started, um, I don't know, 20, 2014 or 15. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably the biggest thing I noticed was our injury or our, at least our complaints of injury went down. Hmm. Um, so Beyond you would know because they're going to you as the athletic trainer. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. So beyond the strength gains that, that the weight room has provided and, and they do get more athletic, uh, just being in the weight room and doing stuff on land. And, um, but beyond all that, I think the biggest thing that helped us was injury prevention. Injuries Mm. went down. Yeah. So it sounds like that lesson, the eternal struggle of the swimmer really hit home for you. Then you, you then took it. I love that you then take it to your swimmers and have them do the math. Yeah. Yeah. That, that one did hit home. I thought, man, that's right. That's a lot of strokes they're yeah. doing in a year. Yeah. yeah. And, and how, how long has everybody swam until they, that clicks and it realizes, oh yeah, if I'm even just a little off, it doesn't take very long. And you think if you're really off, it's going to come really quick in terms of the volume, just going up and down the pool, even if you're not a high, high volume, you know, team. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which we're not, we don't swim, you know, we're not like cranking out yards or, or anything, but um, yeah, I mean, we probably, you probably average 6,000 if you're, you know, five to 6,000 probably. And you start adding that up through all the weeks and all the months and then over the whole year. Yeah, it gets to a huge number. Have you joined the Surge Strength Academy yet? It's now free to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy and raise your dryland IQ. Visit surge-strength.com to learn more and enroll today. That's surge-strength.com to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy. The goal of Surge Strength is simple. Build better athletes to generate faster swimmers.